Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Jack Smith has charged Donald Trump with an attempted coup. Jack Smith has charged Donald Trump with stochastic terrorism. Jack Smith has charged Donald Trump with sedition. Jack Smith has charged Donald Trump with the attempt to foment a second American civil war. And he has done all this without once using any of those words and phrases. In the unexpected shock of the fact of the 45-page document charging a president of the United States with trying to overthrow the government of the United States as we collectively felt the palpable sense of the oppressive weight of the history this represents, it is easy to miss the subtleties of the special counsel's work and the importance of the nuance of his language and what he did not say. Because in the things that Jack Smith did not say, all the true crimes of Donald Trump, the ones the history books will cover, if there are history books, if there is history, all of the true crimes of Trump are writ large in this third federal indictment of him, but they are written between the lines. And as satisfying as it might have been to literally read those words, coup, terrorism, insurrection, civil war, these examples of incomparably charged language either constitute the criminal statutes under which it is most difficult to convict anyone, or they do not exist at all within our criminal statutes. 
Paragraph 81, quote, On the afternoon of January 3rd, co-conspirator 4, that's Jeffrey Clark, the would-be attorney general, we'll get to the co-conspirators presently, spoke with a deputy White House counsel. The previous month, the deputy White House counsel had informed the defendant, there is no world, there is no option in which you do not leave the White House on January 20th. Now, the same deputy White House counsel tried to dissuade co-conspirator 4 from assuming the role of acting attorney general. The deputy White House counsel reiterated to co-conspirator 4 that there had not been outcome determinative fraud in the election and that if the defendant remained in office nonetheless, there would be, quote, riots in every major city in the United States, unquote. Co-conspirator 4 responded, well... That's why there's an insurrection act, unquote. That paragraph, paragraph 81, describes a coup from inside the White House and the stochastic terrorism needed to set the coup in motion. Arrange or precipitate a crisis of violence that not only works to your favor initially, but then you can cite the chaos and the bloodshed that ensues and use it as a phony pretext to invoke the Insurrection Act to impose at least a large portion of martial law and to prevent the inauguration of the incoming president-elect. And in a court system laboring for centuries under the often disastrous impact of precedent, who has been charged with such things before? Which president has been charged with such things before? Who has been convicted? No one. Instead of running the risk of having that list, no one, continue... Jack Smith has used the ordinary language of mundane crimes, civil rights violations, fraud, obstruction, while presenting to the America of 2023 and the world and to history the reality of what Trump really did and why he is guilty enough that he must die in prison for it. Paragraph 94, quote, On January 4, when co-conspirator 2... That would be John Eastman, who wanted the vice president to decide the election instead of, say, the other 330 million Americans. When co-conspirator two acknowledged to the defendant's senior advisor that no court would support his proposal, meaning Eastman's, the senior advisor told co-conspirator two, you are going to cause riots in the streets. Co-conspirator two responded that there had previously been points in the nation's history where Violence was necessary to protect the republic. Paragraph 94 silently but potently accuses Trump and his henchmen and his enablers like Eastman with nothing less than trying to start a civil war. There had previously been points in the nation's history where violence was necessary to protect the republic. When, other than the civil war, was that the case, John Eastman? When the World War I bonus army went to Washington in 1932 and demanded financial help during the Depression, and instead of helping them, President Hoover had the army clear out the army veterans and two of the veterans died? No, no. Eastman, part of the Trump Six, was one of the plotters against representative government in this country, and he was referring there to the Civil War, and he and Trump were willing to instigate another civil war to maintain power. Because these are not 
Federalists, nor small R Republicans, nor small D Democrats. They are authoritarians further infected with the disease of believing the ends justify the means. And Jack Smith has rightly condemned them to be remembered as such by history. Paragraph 10, subsection E notes, quote, after it became public on the afternoon of January 6th that the vice president would not fraudulently alter the election results, a large and angry crowd, including many individuals whom the defendant had deceived into believing the vice president could and might change the election results, violently attacked the Capitol and halted the proceeding. As violence ensued, the defendant and co-conspirators exploited the disruption by redoubling efforts to levy false claims of election fraud and convince members of Congress to further delay the certification based on those claims. Paragraph 10E describes nothing less than sedition. And the word is never used. The violence Trump has induced through more stochastic terrorism unfolds. Trump does not act to stop it. He has at least a form of his riots in the streets, the ones Jeffrey Clark and John Eastman had been warned about. And to Trump, this is his chance because that is Trump's worldview. The answer always ultimately is force. The answer ultimately is always violence. The answer ultimately is bloodshed. And the most important part of those three paragraphs and many others is that they are interwoven with the undertone of the entire Jack Smith charging document. The unspoken and more ominous part, the more urgent part, being that Trump still sees riots in the streets as his means of regaining power, that he still encourages subtly, cleverly, at far enough of a distance that his fingerprints will not stick to any of it, he is still encouraging his cultists to commit violence on behalf of him, on behalf of his blurred, jaundiced, psychopathic, maniacal, insane vision of a new United States Donald Trump president for life. He did it last month. The temptation for those who composed the 45 pages of the charging document to write and made the defendant burn in hell must have been overwhelming. To me, their resistance, their restraint is remarkable. I can only stand and stare at it. And although I could never do it in a million years, it is better this way. That message still springs out at the reader from, as I said before, between all the lines. That, to me, is what I saw reading through the document when the heat of its release and the shock of its reality had subsided. That, and of course, a renewed appreciation for a still larger undertone of Jack Smith's document, that throughout the commission of all of his crimes, stated and otherwise, Trump knew the organizing premise that he really had won the election and was just correcting a wrong, not creating a whirlwind. He knew it was a lie. Smith introduces this starting with the 28th word, and he never stops. The document begins, quote, 
The defendant, Donald J. Trump, was the 45th president of the United States and a candidate for re-election in 2020. The defendant lost the 2020 presidential election. And then begins the deluge. Quoting again, Despite having lost, the defendant was determined to remain in power. So for more than two months following Election Day on November 3, 2020, the defendant spread lies that there had been outcome determinative fraud in the election and that he had actually won. These claims were false and the defendant knew that they were false, but the defendant repeated and widely disseminated them anyway to make his knowingly false claims appear legitimate, create an intense national atmosphere of mistrust and anger and erode public faith in the administration of the election. I said in the bulletin last night that in that first full paragraph, there are words and phrases that appear throughout the document like characters in a novel. Words like claims, lies, false, knowingly false. That word knowingly is used 36 times in the charging document. Lie and lies, 25 times. And false is used 94 times. This wasn't just sedition. And it wasn't just terrorism, and it wasn't just the fomenting of civil war and riots in the streets, as if that phrasing is appropriate, that it wasn't just these things, but it wasn't just these things. The point of the Jack Smith indictment of Donald Trump is that it was all done in the knowing cause of a knowing lie. Trump knew and Smith never lets us forget that in every moment of the nightmare he put this nation through, Trump knew he had lost, knew there were no legitimate means for him to maintain his desperate grasp on power, and knew that there were millions out there who did not know any of this, and who, if he told there had been fraud, would believe it, and who, if he told there was a way for him to stay, would believe that too. Yet in paragraph after paragraph, the document quotes Trump advisors and Trump lawyers and Trump political appointees as telling Trump he lost. And once, and this is impossibly important, and once Trump is quoted as acknowledging to a group of government and military officials that, yes, he did lose. He acknowledges that and then turns around and literally minutes later resumes his attempt to lie his way into a second term in an America he would have to turn into a dictatorship in order to retain power. I'm quoting now from paragraph 83. On the evening of January 3, the defendant met for a briefing on an overseas national security issue with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and other senior national security advisors. When the chairman and another advisor recommended that the defendant take no action because Inauguration Day was only 17 days away and any course of action could trigger something unhelpful, the defendant calmly agreed, stating, Yeah, you're right. It's too late for us. We're going to have to give that to the next guy. There could be no clearer admission by Trump. He lost. Biden would be president in two weeks and four days, quote, it's too late for us, quote, we're going to give that to the next guy. 
Paragraph 83, and now I'm quoting from paragraph 84. The defendant moved immediately from this national security briefing to the meeting that the acting attorney general had requested earlier that day. The defendant expressed frustration with the acting attorney general for failing to do anything to overturn the election results. And the group discussed co-conspirator Four's plans to investigate purported election fraud and to send his proposed letter to state officials. I said last night that this indictment offers Trump only one obvious defense, stupidity. I did not know it was illegal to try to overthrow the government and lie to everybody as I did it. I really need to revise my estimation here. He could also enter an insanity plea because to go from one meeting about leaving it to the next guy to another meeting minutes later demanding to know why the attorney general has not overturned the election for you is dark, irredeemable madness. I wrote long ago that the cause and the nature of it was decreasingly relevant, but that the elemental truth about Donald Trump is that his brain does not work correctly. And to that point, I again direct you to paragraph 90, which contains some of the few newly revealed developments and testimony from this worst period of American history. Quote, on January 1, 2021, the defendant called the vice president and berated him because he had learned that the vice president had opposed a lawsuit seeking a judicial decision that at the certification, the vice president had the authority to reject or return votes to the states under the Constitution. The vice president responded that he thought there was no constitutional basis for such authority and that it was improper. In response, the defendant told the vice president, quote, you're too honest. What a quote. What a summing up of the life of Donald Trump and the mind numbing realization that he has lived 77 years among us human beings without once acting ethically or wondering if he should act on behalf of someone else or on behalf of truth or reality or or just out of honesty to insult someone by saying you're too honest and there's worse. The rest of paragraph 90 again emphasizes the juxtapositions that Smith and those who wrote this document have chronicled. Trump says Pence is too honest. To Trump, it is an insult. And then, quote, within hours of the conversation, the defendant reminded his supporters to meet in Washington before the certification proceeding, tweeting, the big protest rally in Washington, D.C. will take place at 11 a.m. on January 6th. Locational details to follow. Stop the steal. The utter, bleak, nauseating, horrifying madness of Donald Trump. And remember, again, if you read this charging document, all of the lying, all of the invoking of violence, all of the evil, all of it documented forever. But more importantly than that, Trump is still doing it.
And in a well-coordinated response, Trump's minions have been everywhere responding to all this by insisting Jack Smith has criminalized Donald Trump's First Amendment rights. Rudy Giuliani was nearly in tears over the idea of this. They are fake tears, of course, because in the one leavening moment of the entire day, Jack Smith intentionally or inadvertently has given us a fun game to play for a while. The wordle of the Trump indictments, the immaculate grid of the January 6th investigation, the home version of the insurrection game. There are six unnamed, unindicted co-conspirators cited in the indictment. Four are easy to identify. A fifth is challenging. The sixth, the sixth is a mystery. Rudy Giuliani is unindicted co-conspirator number one. And frankly, no matter what he says, no matter how hard he cries, he may yet flip on Trump. But... Who is number six? Let's play Trumple! That's next. This is Countdown. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Thank you. 
I am not certain why it did not leap to my mind immediately yesterday. It became quickly clear that I could not identify who number six was, but then again, neither can anybody else. Number six, not in a trivia game, not in a derivation of crosswords, not online parcheesy, but there are six unidentified, unnamed, unindicted co-conspirators in the Jack Smith indictment document, and four of them are so easy to identify and name that they might as well have come with little baseball cards with their pictures and stats on them. Those are the first four. Number five, a little tougher. Number six, as yet, a mystery. Number one, easy. Number six, wait a minute. Number one, number six, there is a still legendary, often unfathomable British TV series from 1967 called The Prisoner, which was pretty much the work of one man, the actor Patrick McGowan. I'll spare you too much of the background, but McGowan is a spy. He's tried to quit. Somebody has captured him and put him in a village sealed off from the world, and nobody knows who the captors are, and nobody has a name. They all have assigned numbers, and there is a colloquy at the beginning of each episode. I mean, every episode exactly the same, in which McGowan screams at his latest tormentor, Ohio, and the Inquisitor replies, the new number two. And McGowan asks, who is number one? And he replies, you are number six. Okay, that's the answer. Number six is Patrick McGowan in The Prisoner. Enough fun. Now back to the end of the United States of America as we know it, unless we defeat Trump at the polls and he is convicted in this case and the other ones. I said last night, and I will stick with this, if unindicted co-conspirator number six is not soon identified, there will be books about him or her the way there were 30 years of books about the identity of Deep Throat from Watergate until he, sort of, and his family, mostly, outed him in 2005, and he was Mark Felt from the FBI. So the game of identification of number six is... Well, if there's Wordle, this has to be Trumple. Unindicted co-conspirator number one is described in the document as, quote, an attorney who was willing to spread knowingly false claims and pursue strategies that the defendant's 2020 re-election campaign attorneys would not. Well, could you make that a little easier for me? I'm not eight years old. It's Rudy. It's so obvious that it's Rudy that I think Jenna Ellis crinkled her nose when she read it. Not only is it Rudy, but I do not think I saw anywhere in any reporting, in any crowdsourcing, in any forum, anybody who guessed differently than Rudy. Who is number two? Or, as I call it, the new number two. And it's not Leo McKern. If you know, you know. The description, quote, an attorney who devised and attempted to implement a strategy to leverage the vice president's ceremonial role overseeing the certification proceeding to obstruct the certification. Say, uh... What was the name of that strategy about letting the vice president choose the president? Ah, oh, right, the Eastman plan. Wonder who dreamt up the Eastman plan. Late last night, John Eastman acknowledged, yeah, I'm number two. Number three is, quote, an attorney whose unfounded claims of election fraud the defendant privately acknowledged to others sounded, quote, crazy. Could they have not found a slightly more obscure quote? I mean, something to make you think Lynn would, at least for a minute? Or maybe drop the reference to attorney, because if it doesn't say attorney, crazy makes me think they're talking about Mike Lindell. But no, whoever wrote this might as well have mentioned the Kraken, 
which is the name they gave the plan to, I think, honor her, Sidney Powell is number three. Number four is, quote, a Justice Department official who attempted to use the Justice Department to open sham election crime investigations. Well, if it's a sham, it's Jeffrey Clark. Sadly, there was not time to offer readers a link to the video of Jeffrey Clark asking the FBI agents who were searching his home to let him put on some long pants. As I said, these first four were no-brainers. Five was tough. An attorney who assisted in a plan to submit fraudulent slates of presidential electors. I didn't get this one at first. Then the Washington Post quoted sources who said it was Kenneth Cheesebro. And that's right. He was the guy who worked with Eastman. And if you think being John Eastman throughout all of upcoming American history is going to be bad, imagine being John Eastman's assistant. And now the stumper, the new number six, quote, a political consultant who helped implement a plan to submit fraudulent slates of presidential electors to obstruct the certification proceeding. It is so difficult that the authors, again, I don't think this was intentionally inserted into this to give everybody a little respite from the drama and tragedy of the thing, but it seems sometimes like it was this is so difficult, the authors have seeded a second clue about the identity of number six way down there in paragraph 119. Quote, co-conspirator six attempted to confirm phone numbers for six United States senators whom the defendant had directed co-conspirator one to call and attempt to enlist in further delaying the certification. So who was Rudy's assistant on January 6th? Who was the phone banking person? Well... Those first two words, political consultant, had the crowd dreaming it was Ginny Thomas, wife of the only Supreme Court justice with a for sale sign growing out of his ass. Well, it's not Ginny Thomas. She was not helping Rudy Giuliani phone bank on January 6th. But who was? Now, it doesn't say number six was actually at the Willard Hotel in the war room on January 6th, but this seems almost necessary to the equation. I quote from the newspaper The Guardian from November 30th, 2021. Trump, the paper said, spoke with, quote, the lieutenants at the Willard, a team led by Trump lawyers Rudy Giuliani. It's not him. John Eastman. Not him. Boris Epstein. Oh. And Trump strategist Steve Bannon. Later reporting suggested attorney Mike Roman might have been there as well, and he was cooperating to some degree with the Jack Smith investigation. Also there, Trump advisor and really bad dating choice Jason Miller. And the candidate so obvious he should have been first in our list of guesses. The ex-New York City police commissioner and ex-con and the last person alive who is still loyal to Rudolph Giuliani, Bernard Carrick. But was Carrick actually involved with the fake electors? Quoting a post at Daily Coast, by December 1, 2020, Carrick was apparently coordinating with Mark Meadows on travel expenses for his election thwarting team, asking Meadows to transfer money for a, quote, hotel for the team and two vehicles to pick us up to Trump campaign attorney Christina Bob. Four weeks later, Bernie Carrick is quoting a rate card. He wanted Meadows to know he should be ready to give him and Giuliani five to eight million dollars, quote, to apply pressure to force the legislators to do what they're constitutionally obligated to do. 
So if number six is somebody who is involved in the fake electors scheme and was uh, kind of loosely defined here as a political consultant, I'm going with Bernie Carrick. Bernie is the new number six. Who is number one? My reference number one, Giuliani, nearly weeping earlier, if you have not heard the well-planned, self-pitying, self-martyrdom of Team Trump in response to this, they have wrapped themselves in the flag they all urinated on on January 6th. I'll sum it up for you. They're going with a First Amendment thing. The problem is they've drawn a judge who won't buy that for a moment. And you'll get to hear Rudy cry. That's next. This is Countdown. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Trump will be in court in Washington at 4 p.m. Thursday, tomorrow, and that'll be fun. And the case has already been randomly assigned to Judge Tanya Chutkin, an Obama appointee. And if Jack Smith got a tough draw with the judge in Florida, not so much here. I am taking this information from the fine work of the impeccable January 6th bureau chief of CBS News, Scott McFarlane. Judge Chutkin is virtually the D.C. federal court January 6th bureau chief. 
She has regularly given the harshest sentences to January 6th defendants. Scott notes that in July 2022, she twice went above the sentences recommended by the prosecutors. A month later, she said videos of the coup showed how much, quote, horrifying the events that day were. Every single time I watch, I'm struck by how those outnumbered law enforcement officers were trying to stay alive. Same month, the judge said, it's frankly so ironic that the crowd was chanting USA. It's contrary to every principle this country is supposed to stand for. A month after that, the judge said the true patriots are the Capitol employees, including those who slipped in their own blood seeking cover on January 6. A month after that, they were mad that their guy lost, she said. I see the videotape. The flags, the people who mobbed the Capitol were there in fealty and loyalty to one man, not the Constitution. Hey, uh, defendant, judge is talking about you. Oh, and last month, the judge said something so apropos of the defense in this case that you would think this was scripted. Quoting Judge Chutkin again, this was no exercise of First Amendment rights. It was a violent attempt to overthrow the government. Good luck on getting all those delays you're going to want here, Don. But about the First Amendment, it was 1919 when Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes introduced this phrase into our language, and I do not recall centennial celebrations for it, but it hit 100 just four years ago. The most stringent protection of free speech, Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote, would not protect a man in falsely shouting fire in a theater and causing a panic. And yet, that is, for all intents and purposes, the Trump defense, criminalizing the First Amendment, they claim, wrapping Trump in the flag and glory, glory, hallelujah. And no, you know, long term, you're not going to succeed in defending yourself by claiming it is your First Amendment right to falsely shout fire in a theater when you have made sure there is no fire and never was a fire, yet you're shouting it anyway and you've bolted all the exits to make sure all those people who stampede get crushed in the panic and then you blame the panic on Biden. What's that? couplet about what's in and what's out tired trump wrapping himself in the second amendment wired trump wrapping himself in the first amendment please enjoy rudy giuliani's voice cracking long ago stop being careful and i didn't worry i don't worry about the jack smiths of this world uh, i have a chapter in my book called stand up to bullies so here's what i say to jack smith after the supreme court threw out your case which is, should, should, should have been a disgrace and you should have gone and found another profession because you don't belong in this one. This one will be your legacy, violating the right of free speech of an American citizen. Never mind whether he was president or not. It could be anybody. It could be a homeless person. You don't get to violate people's First Amendment rights, Smith, no matter who the hell you are or no matter how sick you are with Trump derangement syndrome. And this isn't the first time you've acted like an unethical lawyer. It should be the last. Cry more. That was Rudy Giuliani speaking to you from his role as unindicted co-conspirator number one, who remains that only because when he ratted everybody else to Jack Smith, he did not give up Trump yet. There are people, people on the unindicted co-conspirator list, people who are indicted co-conspirators in the documents case, people who would go to jail for Trump. Walt Nauta would go to jail for Trump. 
That lunatic John Eastman is just enough of a mad political scientist to do it. But I say this, having known him for 30 years, and I say it without any fear of contradiction, soon or late, Rudy Giuliani will give up Trump. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Here are the credits. Most of the music arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown Musical Directors. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. Produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. That's Countdown for this, the 938th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. You know what? Don't arrest him today. I mean, yesterday was enough, and we're already set for tomorrow. Everybody needs a day off. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow. Bulletins as the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare